It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 for WolfGMCBuick.com. Check them out. So I had a dog in Mary. Playing that liner over Killer Queen is like a capital offense, but I know you had to do it. You know, we could play that whole song and I wouldn't complain. There are a couple that come by and I'm like, oh, I wish we could just listen to that the whole way through. Yeah, right. Mostly the ones I play, but Donovan <laughs> as well. Do you, because you are a, you are a good guy. Thank you. Uh, and you are, you know, we have seated authority in yes. some ways to Donovan. Does it, like, are you, do you feel like, man, I wish I could get in there and play this right now. Do you do that? No, not really. I think Donovan's pretty good at accepting requests. Right. So I don't really ever have that okay. urge. Um, right. But the creative control, my goodness, you felt like King Henry VIII. Well, like, it's just like you're so like, much power. I get to do this. That's why I always say the producer should do it because yep. you're. I'm over here, you know, playing solitaire. You have a feel for the show. Yeah, like I felt like Virgil Abloh former creative director of Louis Vuitton. Like I had the world at my fingertips and all the creation I wanted. And then you have when it was, such range as a human. When, <laughs> that was a great pull. Yeah, great reference. And then when Twang Tuesday comes around, I sit and sulk a little bit because I ask you for requests the whole time. You know, you do seem to be a little like rudderless on the Tuesday. You know, you don't know that music as well. Yeah, oh, well, no. no, I'll come. I'll be the first one to admit that. I'm always asking you, Low Tide, where do I play here? That's okay, though. We love you anyway. Thank you. You know. All right, so it's time for rumors. We have Jason Greger on the way and Mama MMA at 140. So Elliot Friedman said Luke Kunin and Anthony Mantha are on the Oilers list. There's interest in them. And what that indicates to me is they may have, I'm not saying they've checked down from Gensel, but they are exploring what would happen if Gensel doesn't come available and somewhere else. And they're looking at it. Kunin and Mantha are interesting players. But they are certainly, I don't think they're first-round pick options. Maybe if you end up getting Dowd, too, in that deal. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I do think, uh, we had Rachel Dory on a second ago, defense is also remaining a very, very big area of need for the Edmonton Oilers. The lines, people are legit upset on my blog about this. Uh, McDavid between Dreisaitl and Hyman. Newage between Kane and Yanmark. McLeod between Fogel and Perry, Ryan between Holloway and Brown, usual deep pairs, and Stuart Skinner. Here's my take on that. Uh, Corey Perry has struggled at outscoring recently. He has been partly, not partly responsible, but he can't get back. You know that song by Get Get Back by the Beatles? That is not Curry. He, he can't get back where he once belonged. He's not a fast train. And I'm not saying Yan Mark is Connor McDavid, but I think he cheats a little more defensively. And so inside the zone... Sure, Perry, but this isn't lacrosse where you can do that. So I think that it legitimately, Yanmark's up there, as my learned friends, Declan and Donovan, said at the beginning of last hour, this was a matter of he's a spot carrier. He's a guy who's there until they go get a guy. And with that, Donovan, I'll ask you, how long do they wait? Because they're struggling right now, and a winger would help, a two-line right winger would help this team. Well... If I'm not mistaken, Matias Ekholm was about a week before the deadline, correct, mm-hmm. last year? Yep. So I'm going to say we see a trade at the start of next week. Okay. All right. I, I, f- I just have a feeling. I, I feel like they're going to beat the rush a little bit with, with who they truly feel can can give them what they need. It's interesting, Rachel, said that you know Calgary's holding up the process by not trading. You know, they've got... You know, a couple of defensemen that teams are interested in, maybe a forward too. But Declan, are you 
Like, uh, does Coonan or Mantha excite you as a option, or is it like, okay, you've got to get somebody, we'll get this guy? I think I'm probably a little bit more in that camp. I like Mantha, but mm-hmm. it's, I'm not jumping up and down for this guy. Like, I like him. I don't. I wouldn't mind it, but I, I want to see a home run hit, and I don't think either of those two are that guy. I think that's very fair. I think if you check down to that, you are it's a addressing check down. something that's exactly else. exactly what it is. Yeah. You're, you're, you're addressing something else. You're getting a guy, but then the real, the first round pick is going elsewhere. And by the way, just so everybody knows, um, Mo Mantha was traded to Edmonton in November of 87 in the Paul Coffey, Craig Simpson trade. And then from Edmonton, a couple months later in January, for Keith Acton, went to Minnesota for Keith Acton. So there has been a Mantha. There was a Ryan Mantha signed out of the OHL. He had an eye injury. He didn't make the NHL. He's a very good AHL player. So that's the history of the word or name Mantha. Mantha. I always want to do Jordan Spieth. You know, like the U.S. Open or the yeah. British Open? Love that guy. That was, that was pretty That was pretty good. You want to add a little class to it. Well, that's what I'm hearing. I'm just saying. Okay. I, uh. We were trying to... Well, you had suggested doing the show in Eng, as an English accent. I, I had mulled around with the idea of having a British accent for the entire show, but then, not addressing it. Right. And that then we would the, not talk about it. Exactly. We would just We would accept your accent without yes. bringing it up and then see what the listeners thought. We could maybe try that for April 1st. I was going to say, we could have done that still, but we just kind of gave ourselves the, away a little bit. The problem, so probably though... Probably dead for now. The problem is, is if you do accents badly... People remember it forever. Like, ask Dick Van Dyke. Have yeah. you seen Mary Poppins? Miss <laughs> <laughs> Poppins, and it's just the worst. That's the thing. It's it's also tough to sustain. Like, I don't talk for the full two hours. My segments are inc- are you know a little few and far between. But it, it's tough to keep up for a full full couple hours, even if you're just chiming in every now and then. You can say phrases, Tally ho, and all that rot, right. but you can't get into the exactly. You know, and a few sayings here and there to make it sound a little extra I mean, authentic. If Dick Van Dyke can do it, then nobody can. Uh, LT is a Neil Young fan. I'd be curious to hear your take on Red Light King's take on Old Man. I have, do not know that, so I can't comment on it. We're getting a lot of text in here for Pavel Buchnevich. Well, I mean, he's out there. Yeah, we've talked about him a lot, but yeah. he seems to be getting a push today. I don't know what it is, but... Well, I mean, they uh, do they have the assets because they're going to have to have the money work, right? Yep. So, like, the first round pick is gone. Gone, baby, gone. Uh, uh, but what if what if Butchnevich and the money covered cost you the first round pick in Dylan Holloway? I exactly I, yeah. I think that's the answer. How, go ahead. Sorry. How high do you feel like the offensive ceiling on Dylan Holloway truly is? That would be the that would no. be the determining factor to me. I've looked at it from both sides now. To quote Joni Mitchell, and I don't know. Yeah. He has he has always in his second year in whatever league spiked offensively, but they haven't put him in a position to be able to do it as an NHL player. I think he's going to be. I I think you can you can guess that he's going to be a middle six forward, maybe a center that has value. His ceiling probably isn't going to be as high as what Pavel is now. No, I think his ceiling so, is. is is uh, Ryan McLeod. Then the question becomes, if his ceiling isn't going to be that high, how important is he seven, ten years down the line? Yeah. And do you well, want to mortgage him for that? And I think the answer, 
it's a hefty package, but I think the answer is probably yes. I do it. Yeah. But, you know, you do it and it might be one of those ones you look back on and say hindsight was twenty twenty. Any scenario, either of you, either of you can take this. Any scenario where the orders get so much that Ryan McLeod is in play. I don't think it's off the table, but I think it's pretty unlikely. I just think like I'm very much of the opinion that any anyone has a price tag, any package is on the table at all times. That's right. just kind of the mindset I live in. Maybe that's because I'm a, I'm an NBA fan and they do blockbuster trades oh, yeah, all the time. seemingly all the yeah. time, right? Yeah. So you guys might be able to speak to it with a little more education than me, but I, like I said, I don't think anything is off the table. So I've got an NBA fanatic who knows the league better than he knows the NHL, and then I got a guy who's unaware of the NBA. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I, I I follow along enough to probably know what's happening, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't watch all the games. I'm not constantly tuned into the NBA. Okay. All right. We will accept that. So what would you would you give up McLeod for Bichnevich? I like Ryan McLeod a lot. I'll be honest, I would give up Ryan McLeod for Pavel Bushnevich. I okay. feel like because the thing is uh Pavel Bushnevich type players don't grow on trees. You're going to have a lot harder time finding another Pavel Bushnevich player than you are replacing Ryan McLeod. So, That's just my thought process. I think McLeod is a lot more replaceable than that type of a player. Now, Bushnevich. who runs your third line? Who's your no, third line? That's my question for you. Here's my point. Yeah. You trade McLeod and the first round pick for Bushnevich, right? So now Jan Mark's no longer on the second line. You have your six forwards for the skill line. Yep. But you immediately have to start thinking about what on earth are we going to do at center? Holloway can play center. And it probably has to be. Right? Derek Ryan can play center. But maybe you go get Nick Dowd. And maybe that's your... As your your 3C? Well, 3-4. You've got Holloway as well. Holloway's mobile. I'm saying, like, I think Holloway has to be 3C in that scenario. And he probably has to play with Fogel and Perry. Well, well, if you're trading for Bushnevich, what about a Bushnevich, Oscar Sundquist, Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari type deal? Like, I, I feel like that would be probably the you most want likely. four people? Well, no, but like, no, no like the, the Leafs deal from last year. Oh, I see. I'm O'Reilly and Achari. Right. I feel like that would be a maybe a likely scenario if you're if you're going the Bushnevich route. So Bushnevich and... Uh, Sunquist. Sunquist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that makes sense. And then you trade McLeod a little in the bit first. More. Yeah, yeah, and something. Right. What if they want McLeod and Holloway? Well, you're giving up a lot of your future. I'm saying, yeah. But having said that, you're trying to win the Stanley. That's what it also comes back to, right? Like you are in win now mode. There is a window and you're in it. You got to do what you got to do to win. Yeah. And if you go through another decade of darkness, you kind of live with that if you've got a cup or two out of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I think we've talked ourselves into Bichnevich. Yeah. And uh, now, now listen. Now Holland just needs to get on the phone and make it happen because well, we're ready. I mean, I, we're okay with it. One assumes he waits until our show is done and then gets, you know, maybe not. I mean, I wonder because every GM has to have, like in this case, it would be Jackson on behalf of the owner, but somebody has to sign off on this yeah. stuff. And I, I continue to wonder. And it's just human nature. I'm not. I, I think Ken Holland is a person to be respected. But how much of this is his train now? Because he's he's transitioning. Yep. After the deadline, for all intents and purposes, the big part of his job is over. This is like, um, you know, Charlotte's Web. I'm not sure I completely grasp the analogy, but I get. I completely understand what you're saying about Holland. And yeah, you have to wonder. 
I actually hand. think I grasp the analogy. I remember that that movie yeah. and uh, yeah, but I remember you, that you get it book. right. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, the job is over. And is that a line in the book? Well, it's also a TV movie, so okay. So, you know, you I read books. It. I don't know. Well, I mean, you could, you know, it's it's a very <laughs> sad. It's for kids, but as often is the case, some of these kids' now, stories are very sad. Oh yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Where the red fern grows, don't even get me started. Shoot. All right, you know. now what happens? You trade for Buchnevich, you mortgage your future, mm-hmm. you don't get it done. Well, he's got a year left. Right? Yeah, no, he's got two. Yeah. At five point eight, I think it is. Yeah. So, but so, what happens then? Well, then the new guy comes in, and I think you're going to have to trade. You just eat it, and you say, "Well, that I one think, didn't work out." Yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're you are so eventually, you yeah, you're, you you're eventually going to be trading somebody off and drafting again. You're going to be rebuilding again. We know that, and you, you know, let's be honest here. They haven't really. They haven't drafted a lot of guys. I think Ryan McLeod and Stuart Skinner are really nice additions. I think Philip Roberg and Dylan Holloway and Raphael Lavoie could be really nice additions. But the Oilers are in win-now mode, and they trust young players very little. And it, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. It's a fact. You know, there there are teams in this division who have trusted their young players, you know, Quentin Byfield, an obvious example, and they've worked out. Now, the Oilers have not done that, but they've had other options, other players available to them. Uh, the Capitals have recalled Ivan Marishnachenko. Is that how you say it? Uh, I don't know how to fully pronounce his name, but it's it's close enough. Okay, that's something else. I might have gotten it close to right. Joseph Wall has been recalled by Toronto. Anthony Mantha, we talked about drawing interest. Uh, Frederick Olison has been reassigned by Colorado. Logan Stankoven recalled again. He's an up and down like a yo-yo. Valerie Nishushkin cleared to resume practicing. And that was, he was through the, the league uh, player assistance program. So Colorado clearing space to make room for him. TJ Oshie on IR. Jeff Skinner injured in practice. Tyson Yost recalled. And the Canucks apparently interested in Brandon Duhame, who we saw play for the Minnesota Wild recently. I just feel like we're going to sign off and then Jason's going to get a trade. That's my feeling. I I feel like something's going to happen today. Well, that does kind of also mean me and Donovan get a trade because we hang around for, for that. We're there. I'm I'm here after the show. Mm, you're out of here. That's debatable. You're out of here pretty quick. I'm, I'm in the bathroom or, <laughs> okay. you know, and then I leave, but I'm here. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was just trying to say like it'll it'll come and then, you know, we'll be able to relay it to you. Oh, it'll, well, it'll like, kind of uh, be like we got you it. You text well. it to me, and yeah. then I would know, you know. Oh, yeah. I'd probably, yeah, like Snapchat it to you, maybe. Like, you won't believe what just happened. It's a picture of me, like. Do I have Snapchat? <laughs> I'm sure you don't. It's, you know what? I, I this is, I'll put, put it in this perspective for you. I feel like I'm too old for Snapchat. I don't use it. Okay. It's, it's for the kids. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I just, I know that all my kids say is don't swipe right, dad. And so I don't. That's all I got. Mm. All right. Well, I think we covered Stanfield underwear today. Yeah, I think we've done it. We've gone a little above and beyond today. We really do. We're a, we're a public service. Yeah, we're Buzz Lightyearing it the way we're uh, oh. the way we're covering all topics today. When we karaoke, I might do. You've got a friend in me. Mm. A yeah, Randy that might Bachman. be. That might be my. What? Was that not Bach? You've got a friend in me. It's from Toy Story. Yeah, from Toy Story. But didn't Randy Bachman do the music for it? Randy Newman. Did Randy it. Newman. I knew. Yeah. How I do you knew. do this? 
How this is? I just mixed them up. Billy Joel oh. does like Salisbury Hill. Hey, 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 and Randy hey, hey, Bachman. Hey, hey, come on, come on. Does come on. you've got a friend in me? How are you so smart and do this? You know what? That's funny you say that because I've had a lot of people like tell me like you're smart but you're dumb, and now you're kind of echoing that sentiment. Doesn't make me feel good, but I get where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, coming up next on the lowdown, <laughs> Jason Greger is going to be by one twenty. <laughs> this is the lowdown with low tide on Sports fourteen forty. It's the lowdown on Sports fourteen forty. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Say hello to Doug and Mary. Hurry in for financing as low as zero percent cash discounts and more on remaining twenty twenty three Sierra half tons plus. Cash discounts on remaining GMC and Buick SUVs. Wolf, GMCBuick.com. Interesting show today. We have lots of guests. Jason Greger just around the corner. And we'll do uh, Mama MMA, MMA at 140. People are now renaming the band Newman Turner Overdrive, which I like. People want Alex Tuck now. Silverberg and Boone Jenner, our favorite. If if we got paid a dollar for every time Boone Jenner's name is texted to us, we'd be we'd we'd have new homes. I would be living on my own instead of my parents' place. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Your generation should do that. Save your money, young man. Until you can afford to buy something and then buy it. And then you don't have to, because you need to invest at a young age because we are doing your generation zero favors. That's what we've decided as old people. Screw you, pay your taxes, work hard for nothing. So you save your money. Thank you. I, I appreciate this uh, financial advice tips. I'm, I'm tired um, of it. You know, so I saw an article the other day that said um, that said people your age weren't keeping the economy going, you were spending your money on things like food. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm How can you be critical of a generation for spending the money on food? We need sustenance. Anyway. Anyway, you keep doing what you're doing. You're fine. All right. We are now joined by our friend, Jason Greger, host of the Jason Greger Show, 2 to 6. All kinds of rumors involving all kinds of players from Anthony Mantha to Chris Tanev. Jason? What what do you think about the Oilers now? If there were a priority, is it defense? Is it like Janmark's playing second line right wing tonight? Yeah, well, that's that that's not the long term option. I think you know what uh, that's rewarding a guy who's got three goals in four games and and had a spirited scrap and is reliable defensively. So you you move him up there. Uh, you know he's big and strong on the wall. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Not getting scored on a ton. So uh, right now those guys are valuable because you know the Oilers' biggest problem again is they're inability at times to play sound defense. They showed they can do it for 32 games, yep. right? And so I think they're capable of doing it. They showed it down the stretch, but then they kind of revert back. And, you know, Matias Ekholm, I talked to him today, and he feels like, you know what, you go away for that break, you're on a heater, you come back and you you don't remember that it's gonna, it's harder than you think it is because right. you've won 16. And so now they're kind of playing catch up. So I think tonight's a really good test for them. We'll see if they're ready to break out again or not. Uh, the Calgary game was awful in the first period. They were sloppy. They did pull it within three to two, but obviously it was, was too late. Um, you know, do they need a second line uh, winger? Sure. I, I think that's something that they need. Uh, I'd still like a little bit more um, scoring and size and speed in their bottom six, yeah. specifically on their fourth line. 
Um, you know, they're going to get a number seven defenseman. Can they get a top four D? Like, you can't add all these things. No, you can't. Right? Um, no. And I know people say, well, what about a goalie? Well, who? Marc-Andre Fleury says he's staying in Minnesota. You'll see Soros isn't coming here. Yeah, so, so. who's the – like, there, there's really no external goaltending option. The team's got to play better. Stuart Skinner's got to play better. Calvin Pickard's got to play better. The, the whole team's got to play better defensively, too. Like, um, their top guys, yeah, they're producing lots, but since – you know, the all-star break, McDavid's been on the ice for 14 goals against five on five. Bouchard, 12. Ekholm, 12. Nurse, 10. Right? Like, it's your big minute eater guys are at Hyman, 10 or 12. They're just, they're on the ice for too many goals against. Well, and, and the, like in the game on Saturday night, Bouchard gets the puck. Shoot it in. Because he had, he had momentum. He was going to get in. He tries to make a move, and it's jailbreak the other way. And I'll give Kadri. Uh, credit he he pushed McDavid away and McDavid could not get inside because it was a jailbreak. Puck goes in the net and all of a sudden they're playing catch up again. And I like attention to details what we talk about, but you you don't have to win the game in the first shift of the game. You can lose it though. Yeah, well they're, they're back to their one Achilles heel has been, and and I I think they they've shown they figured it out, but then they they forget it sometimes and. The thing is, their offense doesn't suffer when they play good defense, right? Yeah. Last year down the stretch, uh, under Woodcroft, and they were the highest scoring team in the league, and they were the eighth best offensive team in the league. This year, when they were the second best uh, team over 32 games defensively, they were the fourth best offensive team. And since the All-Star break, they're, uh, you know, in the 10 games, they're at uh, – 3.7 goals, and really in their last nine, they're four goals a game. Offense isn't the problem. No. But they are leaking goals all over the place. Obviously, Stuart Skinner's got to be better, no question. You know, we've seen some goals go in, and he just, he, he's got to make better saves. But, the, the, you know, the orders have turned the puck over way more frequently. Uh, now they're, they're back to flipping the puck out of the zone a little bit too much as a defensive nope. unit. And while it's the safe play, it just allows the other team to recover. Now you're playing defense longer. And you look at the last three games, like I watched. Now the Minnesota game, really, the, the second and third period, they're actually, I thought, pretty good defensively. They mm-hmm. didn't give up much. And, you know, they gave up some goals. And you're just like, like the Brodeen goal, that goal can't go in. Right. right? But that's not no. bad defense. So. Right. Um, but the Calgary game, there was long stretches where Calgary would cycle the puck out for 30, 40 seconds, and you get tired when you're defending all the time. And Edmonton wasn't doing that when they were winning. So I'm going to see tonight, really, how much defensive zone time do they spend? That, to me, is the key. The good thing for the Oilers is, although L.A. and Calgary and others have uh, obviously had a good run in the last 10 games, the teams ahead of them, Vancouver and Vegas, have been 4-5-1 and one as well. So they... They are still, you know, keeping pace at least, even during a period of time when they haven't played well. Yeah, the, like this 10-game stretch, hasn't. it's not debilitating, right? It's, it's not like early in the season, right? Like the order is actually, there's games where they played well and probably could have won and didn't, mm-hmm. right? And the Dallas game mixed in the middle of this was actually probably their best game by far. Like that yeah. was a really sound game for the order. So um, can they do it? Yes. Will they? I don't know. That's yeah. And that's the challenge. And I'm, I don't know if it really changes much, to be honest, Al. I'm never one who's like, oh, hey, you know, like people like when everybody was all excited about Fogel, I'm like, hey, Warren Fogel is what Warren Fogel is. He's a good third line player. Yeah. And yeah, he got on a heater, but that doesn't mean he's your answer for your second line. Now, if you think you have six guys that can rotate in there, Corey Perry for five games, Matthias Janmark, Warren Fogle, Ryan McLeod, Dylan Holloway. You could get away with that. Yeah. And you could say, okay, you know what? That's what we're going to look at. We're going to go with the hot hand for our second line, and we're going to go with five top six players, and the rest is going to be by committee. Okay, I can understand that. Because offense, again, to me, 
isn't the order's issue. It's do they have more reliable defensive players? That to me, that's what they need. Like you go out there and I know he's a little bit banged up now and stuff, but still Dowd, right? That's a name I keep coming back to when he's on the ice, you're not getting scored on. And that's, that's just the truth. Jason Gregor, our guest, he'll be on the radio two to six this afternoon. Um, When I look at this team and what they have built through a really bizarre kind of a year, um, the one thing that I, that I think that we can, you know, rely on obviously is McDavid and Dreisaitl and Hyman playing well. I think Bouchard is emerging here. How important is Ryan McLeod, no matter where he plays, down the stretch and into the playoffs? I actually thought McLeod, Kane, and Yanmark were quite good against Calgary. And Chris Knobloch talked about that, and, and he said, like, I won't be shocked if we see Nugent Hopkins and McLeod, depending on how the game goes, switch lines potentially. Because he liked the McLeod, Kane, Yanmark line, but he said, you know, they were looking at it. The only thing he doesn't like is there's a lot of disruptions because of special teams and how you work the guys, how can you get them in? So, um, yeah, you know, Ryan McLeod... Al, you and I have, have looked at the numbers of winning teams over the years, and, you know, like that seventh forward is a pretty important player, yes. and usually it's it's your third-line center. So, yeah, like McLeod is still a young player in the grand scheme of things, and, um, you know, he's shown you spurts of what he can do, right, uh, when he takes the puck to the net. He's a much more dangerous player than if he just settles for the outside romp around the net type of play. So I think McLeod, like last year they had McLeod and Bukestad. And, and and they're not getting Bukestad for anybody who's wondering be, no. because of the you know they, they're not gonna they can't afford it two point one million and uh, Arizona's not they can't do a retained salary because he was on their team so anywho could they find another Bukestad one hundred percent Al then I think there's a healthy competition so that's why to me Nick Dowd can be a third line center if need be he isn't right. just your prototype fourth line center and if he's playing better than McLeod then McLeod's your fourth center if he's your fourth center I think your team's pretty deep. In the last 12 games, in the last month, which is 12 games, um, Evander Kane on the ice, 60% goal share at 5-on-5. Five five. And yet I still hear people talk <laughs> about Evander Kane and what wow. he isn't doing. Yeah, but but honestly, it's the people that are talking. At some point, you're just like, they're not, it's like anti-vaxxers, no offense. Like, there's, there's, not, a, there's not a lot of substance to it. Oh. Okay? So I don't really, they can, they're allowed to voice their opinion, but I'm allowed to say it's ridiculous. Yeah, I just, I think that, that look, if, if you take away, I think it's two goals for and 11 against when Kane and Connor Brown are on the ice together this and year. And that was early in the yeah. year, right? If yeah. you take that out of Evander Kane's uh, resume, he's been a pretty productive player and he's scoring goals. Yeah. Okay. You know. Like Kane's physical. The orders are still a pretty soft team. Like I know Matthias Janmark shocked the world with he that did. spirited <laughs> scrap and it was great. Right. He's a big, strong guy. I don't expect him to fight all the time, but I'm like, yeah, you know what? Be a little honorier. That's that was fan. Like I loved it. Like I really like it showed the gamesmanship. Goes, hey, you rocked our best player. I'm sorry. Now they were chatting earlier, and I loved it. Like how it came about. That was awesome. It's a battle of Alberta. That's how it should be, right? But I look at the orders overall, and come playoff time, any person out there remotely suggesting that Evander Kane shouldn't be in the order's top six forwards isn't paying attention to how playoff hockey's played. Now, Evander Kane is a perfect player. Is Evander Kane a selfish player at times? 100%. But I take the whole package. I don't just look at the few things I don't like and be like, well, let's replace him with so-and-so because I like his uh, Corsi 4. Like, no, it doesn't make any sense. Also, his I think his issue, the one issue he has is not speed. It's transporting the puck, but he's got dry subtle or McDavid on his line. He doesn't have to do yeah, that. And, and Kane's never really be a big... Tr- like Kane's good if you get the puck in with speed and he'll go down the left side. No problem, mm-hmm. right? Um, you don't want him weaving through the neutral zone no. with the puck, but he doesn't really do it. Like, I rarely see Evander. And, hey, Vander Kane's not a great passer. 
But I don't expect him to be. That, oh. Like, don't get, well, geez, not a very good passer. Okay, well, who do we have that's a very good passer you're going to replace him with that can <laughs> <Everybody>. score 30 <laughs> goals a year, right? Like, that's what he does. He's yeah. nine times as a 20-goal scorer, right? He can be a definite 25 to 30-goal scorer, and he brings you an element that the team grossly lacks. Totally. Physicality works. It yeah. matters. Also, they've got the passers till the cows come oh, home. They God. need a shooter, and yeah. he is one. Yeah, he can shoot them, and he can yeah. score from distance too when need be. I, I think that uh, um, the the back to back and the three three games and four nights side of this conversation has sort of been a downplayed, and I get it; people are upset. But th- you talked a long time ago about how difficult the schedule is now to the end of the year, and how they are going to have tough times, and these struggles are going to occur. So. Um, I mean, I think they're handling the goaltending pretty well. Do you think we'll see a defenseman before the deadline play a game for the Oilers, or are they running these six until the deadline? Well, Broberg's banged up, so I don't I don't see anybody else in the minors. They're not calling up Phil Kemp to take out Vincent DeHarnay. Right. So um, the only way there's a defenseman playing before the deadline is if they acquire one before right. the deadline, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I do I, – I'm curious to see which defenseman they get because 100% they're getting a defenseman. Like, mark that. That's the one thing that I can, you know, be very confident on. I'm, now, I'm not saying it's going to be a top-end defenseman. I'm just Ooh. saying it's a defenseman. Edmondson or you something. You know, probably yeah. a number seven who's going to play. And you're going to have to play him some games, right? Like, there is going to be somebody who's eventually nicked up here or there. Or guess what? You can create a little internal competition and maybe somebody gets a night off because they're not playing great. So, you know, that'll happen. I, I think they'll eventually there'll be a little bit more competition. Right now, you know, the, the coach, he's got his 12 forwards. He pretty much plays those 12 forwards, right? Uh, there's not a lot of internal competition. I think that's going to change no. uh, after after the deadline. So, you know, the orders will improve. They're, they're going through a funk now. Um, they're not a perfect team. This is a good reminder for management to not be like, oh, we don't have to do much. I think the orders are going to do something. Yeah, it's going to be – are you surprised we had kind of a dry I – mean, we have the two big trades. Yeah, but, but it's but, been almost like there's been one trade in February. Yeah, right? so it's been like – we get it, the ball st- has to start rolling eventually. Soon, do you think, or another week? Well, it's next Friday's the deadline. Um I think there's a few things at play here. Right now, the asking price for some guys is pretty high, and some teams are like, well, I don't want to pay that. Hmm. So um, if nobody makes a trade out, then everybody's even, yeah. right? So we can say it's a it's a, it's a seller's market. Well, it's only a seller's market for a while. Then it becomes a buyer's market because everybody's buying late, and they're like, I'm not going to give you that. So right. if, if, if Al doesn't want to give it to you and, you know, Tony doesn't want to give it to you, and Jay, well, What's your value? Now suddenly Chris Tanev, even though you might want a first, now all of a sudden you only get a second, right? So it kind of now could worse the other way. If all of a sudden a few teams start making deals, now other teams like, damn, I need this guy. All of a sudden there's three or four bidding on him. So I think there's a little bit of a cat and mouse game. But I talked to GM on Saturday and he told me it's actually been quite quiet. Like he's surprised at how quiet it is, but he goes, it'll pick up. He just didn't know when it would pick up. So my gut tells me, Alec, I think this week might be slow. And mm. I think it probably starts to heat up maybe, uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's like selling bread. Fresh, you can sell it all day. Day old, probably. By day two, you're having a hard time moving it. I would think so. I've there never sold go. bread. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming up on the show? Uh, well, TR will join us. Uh, some big news, Alfonso Davies. Yes. Going wow. to Real Madrid. So we'll talk uh, Andy Petrillo with that. Of course, uh, we'll have lots on the orders. And the LA Kings, who, by the way, are tied with 68 points. Pretty yeah. big game tonight. The oh, orders yeah. do have a game in hand. They're both three points back of Vegas. And uh, the race has just tightened up in the Pacific, Al, right? Um, L.A. has, uh, they're 6-2 and in their last eight, so they've gained a lot of ground on both Edmonton and Vegas, and now suddenly they're back in. But the one good news for the orders is that they'll... uh, 
Mr. Anderson is not playing tonight oh, for L.A., right? Really? He got banged up. This He'll miss his second. It's not serious, I'm told, but he's not playing tonight. And uh, he's a consistent thorn in the side of the He unquote. totally is. He knows how to play against McDavid. He does it quite well in combination with him and Deneau. And so not having Anderson, I, you know, I'm curious. Like, obviously, they'll have Dowdy and Gavrikov, I, I'm guessing. But Anderson did a really good job no. against him. So that that's something to look at tonight, the matchups. And watch for Dubois and Byfield. Like, I'm curious what Knobloch does because – Right now, I'd want McDavid's line out against Dubois and Byfield. Like, yeah. I'm not too good. Like, Kempe's good, too, and, mm-hmm. and Kopitar. But Byfield right now is a really dangerous player. And he is. they put Dubois with him to get Dubois going. Yeah. And it's worked. And, like, Deneau's line is probably the one that they're going to want out against McDavid's line. But then that means, you know, McLeod and Nugent Hopkins have to go up against Dubois and Kopitar. And that's not necessarily ideal. Nuge versus Kopitar. You could write a book about that over the years because Kopitar is filthy and he's big and he's strong oh. and he doesn't, you know. Yeah. He, and Adrian he, Kempe, man. Like, oh, they're tough. Now, they have the Perriere on that line, which is nope. kind of odd. But, um, you know, that's what they've... Hiller's come in and made a few changes. Number one being he put Byfield with Dubois to try to get Dubois going because they got Deneau with Fiala and more. Yeah. And then you put uh, Byfield with Dubois, and that's really helped. So, you know, L.A., they don't have the top-end guys, but they got a pretty good bounce. It's going to be a really tough test. Like McLeods and Fogles and Nugent Hopkins and Canes, those guys are going to have to be ready for the second and third line matchups. Tonight. And that Byfield can make really good defensemen look silly. So he's oh, did you see be- that goal he scored oh the other day? Oh, my God. Oof. Oh, that it was a pretty good player, right? Yes. All right, Jason, uh, thank you. Thanks, Al. All right, appreciate it. Jason Greger coming up at 2 o'clock today. On the way, it's Mama MMA with our friend Declan and our friend Donovan. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the lowdown for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com. I got so excited listening to that, I forgot to turn my microphone on. Ah, that's a good song. And it, it previews or comes before mm. a great feature, Mama MMA with our friend Declan who will begin to speak, and I will understand every 11 words. Oh, that's not bad. We're, no. so we're moving up, because it used to be like every 20, 25. <laughs> so every 11 is so uh, not bad, yeah. Yeah, uh, listen, this past weekend in the combat sports world, a couple of, uh, couple of events. One was the UFC fight night in Mexico City. Uh, that was headlined by Brandon Moreno and Brandon Mo- Roy Val, a great flyweight fight. We're going to get to that in a second, but I want to talk about Bellator versus PFL. So back in November of 2023, uh, PFL acquired Bellator, and this weekend in uh, in Saudi Arabia was their champions versus champions card matchups facing uh, mat- matchups pitting PFL fighters from that organization against former Bellator fighters. Bellator on the night went. Sorry, I just got to run the numbers here. Mm-hmm. Five and one. Oh, nice. So Bellator was, I think, uh, Bellator was thought of as some place where washed fighters went for a couple last paychecks. It, you know, it wasn't the most competitive promotion in the world. It was it was a good second option, if nothing else was on kind of thing. And then PFL in recent years has become the pr- the second North American combat sports mixed martial arts organization. And this past weekend, yeah, Bellator went and did the thing. They went 5-1 and one on the main, car- main card. AJ McKee won. Yoel Romero won, who was a former, in my opinion, one of the best uh, UFC fighters to never hold the title. Johnny Emblem, their middleweight champion, won. Um, 
Jason Jackson, a great product they had. He won his fight. The only one PFL won was the main event, Hennon Ferreira versus Ryan Bader. Hennon Ferreira was the PFL champion. Ryan Bader was the Bellator heavyweight champion. Uh, and the winner of that is going to face, face Francis Ngannou. Not not going to be an easy out for uh, for that gentleman now. He's, he has to go up against probably the lineal best uh, mixed martial arts heavyweight in the world who gave Tyson Fury quite a run for his money. And uh, Hennon Ferreira is a guy who's dece- whose record is quite deceptive. He's like 13-3 and three with 3-0 no contests. He's really like 13-6. and six. A couple things got overturned for some banned substances, things like that. But he's not a great fighter. His record's deceiving. I cannot imagine he's going to have a good time against Francis Ngannou. But listen, he went out and put on a show against Ryan Bader. The size discrepancy was huge. He went out and knocked him out like 30 seconds into the fight. Ouch. So, yeah, good for him. Happy for him. And uh, now hopefully we'll see him in Francis. I hate that when there's a big fight, everybody gathers around. They've got their beer and chips. And then it's like... Five seconds in, bang. Yeah. Well, some people, some people love that. Some people no. relish in that. I mean, that's that. You, you pay to see entertainment, and uh, certainly entertained with that. The UFC event this past weekend. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about the main event and the co-main event here quickly. Co-main event: Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez. Brian Ortega, man, he hadn't won a fight since October 2020. Uh, he gets one this past weekend. He's been the he's been in the top five of the USC featherweight weight, featherweight rankings for like seven years now. He's gonna remain there off the back of this win. He went out and submitted former interim champion Yair Rodriguez with an arm triangle. 10 aided the first round, got rocked. His boxing has not improved in six years since he got to run by Max Holloway. But listen, credit to this guy. He's got a lot of heart. He's a lion. He finds a way to stay in there. And he is going to be a guy who's going to stand uh, stand in the top five featherweight rankings for a few more years to come. Off the back of this win, credit to him. Yair Rodriguez is a Mexican fighter. This was in Mexico City, like I said. Uh, so a tough out for him. I'm sure he would have loved to get the win in front of his hometown crowd or home country crowd, I should say. And then another Mexican fighter lost in the main event, Brandon Moreno, former champion, former flyweight champion. He had fought Brandon Roy Valva before he had TKO'd him back in 2020 or 2021 I believe it was. Brandon Roy Val, you know, he just keeps improving. This is a guy who finds ways to win. It was a close fight, split decision. It was a good fight. Brandon Roy Val, who just lost his flyweight title bid a, a few months ago, has a real argument for, for being the second best flyweight in the world. I don't know if you can give him another title shot because he did lose so recently. I think he has to fight a guy named Amir Albazi, who's the second ranked flyweight contender in the world. May move up to number one now, depending how the rankings will change, but Brandon Roy Val, man, he's right there, and credit to him. We had a text come in asking if you'd seen bare knuckle fighting. So, yeah, I, w- I had a bit of a conversation there with Brett from Stoney. I have seen bare knuckle boxing before, naturally. Not a huge fan of it, because what I said to Brett was every combat sport seems to have an element of sport and art to it for my money. Bare knuckle boxing is just a little bit too brutal. And it's one thing thuggery, is, yeah. No. They obviously don't use gloves, and what that does is... you when you get hit you're just so much more susceptible to cuts yep. like you get cut up like crazy in bare knuckle boxing in a way that you don't see in boxing mixed and there's arts. less Obviously, strategy because it's just a matter of pounding the guy yeah it like i you know it, it really is for my money like it's you can't the way you box there's a science behind using the gloves as a defensive mechanism there's a bit more of a science to the movements bare knuckle boxing doesn't really seem to have that it really does kind of seem just like out in the backyard behind the bar in the alley when you're just feet planted, bite down on your mouthpiece and throw down. So I do think there's an element of brutality to it. It's not my cup of tea. Um, but if you listen, for pure entertainment value, they bring a good show. The guys are always entertaining. It's an entertaining sport. The 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 two reasons why, I, like I don't like, to me that's, that's, it's too brutal. The other thing is, you know, in my experience watching boxing over the years, the the big guys knock each other out. But the little guys bounce their brains around all the time. And they're yeah. the ones who end up dying. Oh, yeah. So I think that w- when you're educated about a sport, yep. 
then you have to adapt to it. And to me, bare-knuckle bare boxing hasn't adapted. It's still what they were doing 110 years ago. Yeah, it's the original bare-knuckle, but it's, right. it's even more brutal somehow. Like, yeah. even when bare-knuckle boxing was a thing back in the late 1800s, there was still an element of boxing to it. This is really just... Hammer. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, you, there are some good athletes in it. Like, Mike Perry is a guy who's found a lot of success in bare knuckle boxing, former UFC fighter, Eddie Alvarez now as well, Chad Mendes, uh, another couple guys who are very good mixed martial artists. But it just hasn't translated. And it, I, I think that really just speaks to there may not be a strategy there wasn't the, the way there is in, in other sports. And it just it comes down to that pure brutality. Also, you can see a bar fight any Friday or Saturday night. So. You can, yeah. That's you might not see it as good. We got a text in here. Gloves came about to protect the hands. That is absolutely one hundred percent correct. People think gloves, you know, impact the like shield the impact on the blow on the brain, which it does to a degree. You can punch harder bare knuckle than you can with gloves, but gloves were one hundred percent to protect the fighter's hands, yeah. not and, to protect the head. And they call what I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they've changed it. But when I was watching a lot, they call bouts quicker because you don't want especially the littler guys yeah you, because if you're taking a pounding and especially head hits then then you have to stop the fight it's it's far better to get knocked out once than it yeah. is to take a hundred unanswered punches to yeah. the head right and yeah. that's that's a thing like the the littler weight classes like dokyo kim was a guy in the 80s who changed the rules around boxing when he died after an injury he sustained in the ring against ray mancini they ended up shortening title fights they had a few more things come in on medical checks pre-fight and stuff like that because it was literally that it was a guy who, you know took a beating ended up getting tko'd and then all just you know all the blunt force trauma to his brain it ended up killing him. Which and, is just um, a damn shame. It's, you oh, know, yeah, and it still happens. I mean, right. boxing is still a sport where you see... I'm not anti-boxing or anti-MMA. I don't watch it as much as I used to, but I loved it when I was young. Oh, yeah. But I do everything you can to protect the athlete. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then another thing is, like, these fighters, your brain will get conditioned to shut off quicker. So you, you'll see, you, you'll, you'll hear talks about a fighter's chin going. And when you get knocked out so many times, it's a defense mechanism by your body and by your brain that when you get clipped... You just go. Mm -hmm. So there does come a point where you get knocked out, and then you keep you repeatedly get knocked out because you just get clipped, and your brain just can't handle it. Your body can't handle it. Yeah, yeah. This is good. Are we done? Yeah, sure. We can be. I mean, do you have I've more? Said, no, I've said my piece. I think for the most part, BFL versus Pel PFL versus Bellator was very cool. Uh, it was a weekend that left a little to be desired in the UFC. It wasn't one of the you know preeminent pay-per-views we've come to we've come to expect here but uh it was you know it was a fun past past weekend and uh next weekend's going to be a little down as well then we got ufc 299 so it's all working so do you feel um now that you have this segment do you feel a need to oversell it or are you giving us the straight goods no 100 percent oversell it i really no. i always find when i walk away from this segment i'm trying to explain it and justify it instead of just talk about it Interesting. Yeah. No, like if I was Is talking about- Is that a defensive mechanism? Do you think we're going to take it away from you? No, I, I don't. If you did, I would understand Because we plan it. to. No, no if you did, I would understand it. But I just feel <laughs> like, you know, not that I'm- not that I'm a guy who's, you know, in any position to educate anyone, but I do feel some degree of- trying to teach about the sport rather than just talking about it. Like if this was a mixed martial arts show, if I was on mixed martial arts radio, Ariel Hawani's show, I would be talking much more differently. But I do, I feel like there's an element of having to, you know, get it across in layman's terms. Well, it's, it's like with the, the streak hockey puck thing for NBC that when they were doing the, you, because there's a lot of this, we don't know. Like there's a lot, I don't know. So it's good information. We're interested in it. Good. But I you have so. to over explain it maybe a little bit, right? 
Oh yeah, a little bit. Like if I was talking with some of my good friends about this, it would just be flying off the tongue. Like it would be very natural. This one, I feel like I go a little more in depth about everything. And then I always leave the segment being like, oh, there's more I would have liked to get into, but it's, it's tough, right? Because it, it, you know, you need to be a little more learned on it. Well, you, you, you will know you've arrived when Donovan and I start like calling you on things. What the hell? That was, that wasn't even a legal kick. We'll yeah, say. there we go. Yeah. That's what that will you guys got to start watching with me. I think you know, then then we'll we'll be able to really hammer this one home. Yeah, that would require me being in a social situation with both of you. And as well, we you, know, you can watch it from home. Like I'll send you the, the links and everything, and you don't have to talk to us or see us at all. Well, I'm liking that more, and you don't even have to watch it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I like watching boxing. I don't boxing's because great. You know, I I'm, great. I, Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia are going to fight soon. One forty. It's a big fight. Okay. All right, so I think we're done. Good job, everybody. Tomorrow's Twang Tuesday. We'll have Daniel Nugent Bowman and more. Jason Greger is on the way. And it's time now for a sports update.